0: The biggest thing you gave me was time.
1: I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it
0: well. When you're a family, everyone in the family has to be treated with respect. Coach Wooden, it always started with uh, relationships. It always started with coaching people's hearts. I want to know who you really are, right? You can put whatever you want on paper, but that that doesn't really matter. His teachers, they meet the learner wherever he is. They don't care what you know. <laughs> They totally know how much you care. From conference commissioners to coaches to athletic directors like yourself, uh, people in the business world, uh, and so it's it's been, uh, like I said, much more than I expected. Uh, and, and I'm just excited to be able to have you on. And so I'll start with my first question. Uh, but first, I'd like to thank you, but uh, I'll start with my first question, and it is because I've heard your story before. Um, it is what, t- take us through your journey to becoming the athletic director hmm. at the University of Washington.
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And, and when I met you down in Scottsdale, there was something really special about you and the interaction and energy that you have. So I'm really glad they talked you into doing this because you have something to say and share beyond the field. And I think you bringing other people in to do that too is really cool. So it's awesome to be here. Um, yeah. So I, um, I grew up, um, I was originally from Southern California. And when I was in second grade, uh, my dad decided to move us from San Diego to Tacoma, Washington, which is a city about 30 miles south of of here in seattle and university of washington and we had no ties uh, to seattle or to the state of washington so he was looking for something for us to do to bond us as a family and to have an activity to connect us to the community and so uh the huskies were really good at football um back then they had just just won a rose bowl and um and he bought uh, season tickets uh, for the University of Washington football team. And I started going to games with my dad and my mom and my sister, um, starting as a little girl. And I tell you what, college football and the University of Washington, I was loved at fi- first sight for me. And uh, I loved the competition, I loved the community, and I loved the connection I have with my family uh, by going to those games. It really bonded us and it's still a bond that I have with with my dad and my mom. Um, Really, they're both still really big Husky fans. And so I wanted to be a football coach. (laughs) I wanted to be you. (laughs) Uh, I was absolutely mesmerized by Don James, who was the legendary coach here at the UW and who ironically, as I was the athletic director, I was able to um, install a, a statue in his honor after he passed away and I got to plan his memorial service after he passed away And but as a little kid he was my idol and I would go to picture days and and, and, and take photos with him and get his autograph and so then I took it to a next level and started a pen pal relationship with him and unfortunately for others in the football office I, I sent them letters too, including a guy named Skip Hall who was a recruiting coordinator at the time and I, I'm like every, I was like every fan. I thought I knew more than they did and gave them a lot of advice. And um, my dream, you know, was to, to be the football coach at the University of Washington. And so I wrote him a letter when I was younger and, and said that's what my plan was. And he, he gave me some other ideas about ways that a, a young girl could fulfill her dreams in, in college sports and, and suggested that I think about the industry itself and that he had been seeing more women get into the business of college athletics and that I should think about that. So my story is kind of weird because it was, you know, when little kids say, oh, I'm going to do this. And I said, I was going to do this. I I wanted to be an athletic director at UW, but I had no idea what I was saying. And honestly, coach, like most of my career, I didn't think I was ever going to get here. And half of my career, I didn't even think I wanted to get here. I think That's the story of real stories are not as storybook as they sound right Right. They're they're filled with twists and turns so I worked in a number of different schools, I worked in division three athletics i'm grateful for that Uh, I learned grit and grind and service. uh, The value of education and and really the purity of sports through that time, I had an epic uh, year of my life in Lubbock Texas. I am forever grateful for Texas Tech, um, for the internship that they provided me, an old 28-year-old intern, and then landed back at the University of Washington uh, 24 years ago, and an entry-level fundraising job, and and basically worked my way up to the athletic director position, which I've been in for six years. So um, unbelievable childhood dream coming true, and I think you need to be able to be at a place that's changed my life forever. Um, and serving it in this way, I think has way more advantages than disadvantages, but I probably carry a different level of emotional responsibility to this place and this job than maybe others because of my connection to it.
0: You said earlier about me and my energy, and uh, when I met you, when I heard you talk, that's that's what I got, right, and and I get that passion, and I, I've I've never been to the University of Washington, but just hearing you talk and hearing you uh, exhibit your passion for the place makes me be a fan, right? And be a, be a great fan of yours. Um, but but as you, as you talk, you know, and, and honestly, you didn't talk before. I didn't know that Did you want to be a coach. Would you have been an offensive coach or a defensive coach?
1: Oh, I would have been a defensive coach, probably, because I want to stick people.
0: There you go. All right. I yeah. could have
1: played linebacker. I would. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. Good. Well, okay. That takes that takes our relationship to another level, right? Because you <laughs> said, I would like to be a wide receiver coach. Yeah. yeah. Then, I mean, come on.
1: Now, I do have an, I have an offensive line son. He's a center. So he'll probably be disappointed with my defensive comment. But, yeah. That's
0: yeah. okay. That's okay. He's still growing. He's still yeah. learning. He might yeah. change the size of the ball. Well, a- as we... You, you and I we've talked about um, or texted actually we texted much more than we've talked but you know i I would wonder in your career who who are the the leaders because I believe you're a great leader uh, and I've talked to people who would work with you and I talked to people who know you and that's something that they say about you that you're a great leader and it, it's kind of funny in one way and it's kind of cool in another way to hear this person who is a great leader talk about how they they question themselves right how they question if they could do something when when the people around you are looking like she's phenomenal she can do whatever she wants to do so it's kind of like I said kind of cool and funny at the same time to hear you speak about that sometimes but who are who are those leaders in your career, in your life? I know you may have 20 or 30, but let's just, let's just hear about two of them. And what, what is it that they, that they taught you?
1: Yeah, I was lucky uh, for, first of all, this is a learning lab for excellence, isn't it? This environment that we get to be in. That's so right. we get to be taught leadership and evolve as leaders every single day based on the access of the people that we get to be around. I mean, I learned from student athletes, I learned from coaches, I learned from donors, business members. So, um, you know, it's always evolving, right? Our leadership abilities and skills. And I'm so grateful because yeah, you're right. My list is long. I would say there's pivotal moments though in our lives, right, where people come into them and teach us something that's foundational that prepares us for something next that's coming. And a lot of times we don't see it coming. So the first person that comes to mind is the first person that really influenced my work ethic and my understanding of how we really exist to serve others, and, and that's a woman named Robin Hamilton. She, she was um, the associate athletic director, the softball coach, the sports information director, University of Puget Sound, Division three school, eventually ended up being godmother, godmother to my youngest son. And I have never still seen somebody so um, dedicated to the work and the core purpose of their values and to serving other people. And she sat me down when I first started it at University of Puget Sound. And I was, I mean, I was a kid. I was almost the same age as the student athletes that we were serving. And, oh, I thought I was a hot shot now. <laughs> you, know, you can imagine my fiery personality when I was younger. Yeah. And she sat me down and basically like gave it to me straight from the very beginning about what how we were gonna behave in that environment why we were in that environment, why we had jobs in in college athletics, what our responsibilities were to our institution, to our, um, other, to our colleagues. And she did all that and made everything really fun. You know, she's just a really fun, caring person. And so she really was a foundational person in my life about selfless leadership and perspective and, um, that things aren't gonna be easy if you wanna lead the right way. It's gonna be harder probably Mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Um, And then there were so many other leaders along the way. And then I would say probably that was like the most influential person on my leadership at a high level to prepare me for this position and who's still really helping me um, is Chris Peterson, our our former football coach here at the university. Um, From him, I think it's a couple qualities. I mean, one consistency You know, I I got to watch him and I know he'd internalize things, but from the outside and when you're in these high profile jobs, you got to kind of stay right. You know, this is what you're doing when you're coaching a game. You can't be too here and you can't be too here. You have to be always here. Don't believe the hype when it's good. Don't believe the criticism when it's bad. Just, you know, kind of stay in that central zone all the time. And he taught me that. But the other thing he really embodies that I think all great leaders have to have now and that's self-awareness right. so he spent a lot of time getting feedback reflecting learning growing evaluating and so you know he's still very involved with university and very involved um supporting our coaches and me personally like a coach for me and um there's no way I would have said yes to this job if it weren't for him
0: right no way well you know when you, you talk about um and you, you—I've heard you continually say this is serving the student-athlete. We serve, uh, and there are some leaders who don't understand that dynamic. They don't understand that it's a, it's a, it's a serving operation. You know, you, you get to do this thing for the people. You know, you, some people would like hate to say, "I work for the kids," but no, yeah. you. You work for the student athletes you you work for the people who are younger you work for them you you are to serve them sometimes as leaders we get it jacked up you know we want them to kiss our ring. um yeah. well
1: hey can i just on that like i think that's what's so cool about you is like you have found a way through all your own success and this these positions that we're in to kind of keep that perspective i mean Let's be honest about this. The environment we're working in is not promoting what you just said and what I just, what, what I embody too. No. I mean, I told a friend the other day with just the pressures mounting, mounting all the time. It's just so stressful all the time. I think coaches, we share very similar experiences, even though our jobs are different. And I said, I swear, like this, this type of environment makes everybody become narcissistic like started <laughs> to actually and i was starting to do it like i'm like oh like, a, like some victim in something and i'm like oh man get some perspective
0: well if you think about it like like what what is you know okay i'm 100 years old but but what are we training young people who are impressionable and who are still learning who are right. still finding their way when in this environment, the way we are, you know, the direction that we're going uh, in some aspects, we're, we're not training the best, you know, we're not training the best things. College sports, you would agree, uh, they college sports saves lives. College sports is a phenomenal experience. When, when you think about the wholesome part of college sports, when you talk about team building, when you talk about accountability, when you talk about doing the right things, when you talk about uh, developing people, you know um, that's what that's what I got into college sports for, and that's when I was a student athlete. That was the the amazing part of it, you know. That's why we we uh, got up at six a.m. to run, you know, and. and right. That's why we sacrificed all the things that we did is because of the experience in that way. And you know, I, like you said, narciss- <laughs> narcissism. You <laughs> well, we gotta breathe breathing that a little bit.
1: I think we are. I just think it's one of those things that is so important to so many people, right? And so you take your role and responsibility very seriously. And yeah. so do I like, but I also recognize that when you look at life in its totality, and you look at all the privileges and opportunities that we're all provided by this and you look at how short our time is and you look at the world as a whole and all the challenges that are there that it's just healthier for i think this from a leadership standpoint because i think it's how you respond is how you're going to respond to other people and it yeah. ripples through everybody's reaction to everything it's like just really healthy to have some perspective
0: right, right.
1: and i think you know I don't know. This is where I've probably changed the most is like learning to really win from the inside out versus the outside in.
0: Mm-hmm. And and speaking of that, uh, this is a question that I'd always like to, I, I like to ask this question of of ads really, um, but I know what my what what game day is for me. Right, game day for me is when I have that that young defensive back when, who who just can't get it. Right. He just can't get it. And, and, and we spent extra time and we've watched extra film and I've tried to teach it in a different way to him. But he just can't get it. Game day for me is that moment when my guy gets it.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: That's that's why I do it. Right. There are other reasons, of course, but, but that's why. I, and sometimes it's stuff. Sometimes it's things off the field, you know, right. it, it's it's him showing up on time. It's him understanding that he has to compete in academics just like he does in the weight room, right? Sometimes it's that thing that clicks. But my question to you is: is what is your game day, Miss yeah. Former Want to be a Coach? Yeah,
1: yeah, I love it. I mean, I feel like I get game day a lot in the in the role, and that mine's similar to yours, but maybe a little bit of a different uh, tweak to it, but. Game day for me is when I'm in an environment where like we just actually had a moment like this at the end of May, we had an event on the 50 yard line for all of our top donors. And we had about 25 of our student athletes there and they, we had like a movable feast. It was really awesome. They're so great. They're all dressed up. They're just, you know, darling and great. And they're, they're people, they're not just athletes, they're human beings that have real lives and other things that are going on in their lives. And, but I. I hosted a panel with with those, with those seniors, so super seniors, and my game day is when you hear them talk about and really reflect and demonstrate the experiences that they had and how those have transformed them in a way that I know no doubt in my mind is gonna translate for a better life for them later. Yes. You know, the whole goal isn't to have it end when our students leave, it's that it begins when they leave because going to have transferable skills so that's my game day when i see the impact beyond just the competition uh and i know it's going to pay off more in somebody's life and that's like yes we did something good here right did something good
0: super um i know you have had to do this recently right and and it's uh, in this world we live in it's it's ever evolving and you're always finding yourself uh, adding staff members. When when you look to add a coach or a staff member to your team, what is it? What is it that you look for? What are the things that are important to you before you bring someone onto to your bus?
1: Uh, first of all, I think this is the hardest thing we all have, we all do. I think hiring is so hard. And there's all this data about in general, most companies get it right about 30% of the time. So none of us have figured it out fully. But <laughs> that's, and there's so much hiring going on right now. Right. But, but I'm very, you know, I'm very intentional about hiring because I understand because I'm very obsessive around like the people and the culture. So um, I have a few thoughts on that. I mean, the first is that when it's a hire I'm making, I always develop a profile and the profile tends to be around competencies and experiences. That's kind of the starting place of the profile. So what kind of experience for a a coaching position, sometimes for at a certain point in time with a certain head coach, I may have to really, because of other reasons before something, have to go get a head coach. But sometimes I might have in my profile a flexibility of having an assistant coach. Sometimes I might be willing to look at somebody that hasn't coached at this level, but it's coached at another level, but meets other kind of factors in the profile, like regional ties or, mm-hmm. you know, something with recruiting that I, we can demonstrate they're going to figure that out or the access they would have to build a staff. So there's all these components that, that I, that I, we look at when it comes to profile, but to me, talent alone and the resume and the experience alone is totally overrated.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: Right. And so that's great. And you have to have a discipline to that. It's really important, but I combine that with, um, an evaluation of somebody's commitment and alignment with our purpose. So at the university of Washington, athletic department exists for the development of students. So we're going to hire people that actually align with that purpose. And there's ways you can vet that and test that. You can actually tell pretty quickly in conversations about what motivates people, but there's, certain questions you can ask, and certain research you can do. And then the second thing, it's our purpose and it's also our behaviors. So we have a set of core values that are inherent to the, to the culture of the place. Really, it's like grittiness, you know, a humility to us, a service mindset and a growth mindset innovation. That's very much Seattle, that's University of Washington. When you study successful teams, leaders, coaches in our, in our history of time, people that embody and dis- display those behaviors always tend to have very good results. So mm-hmm. we really look for people that care about those things. So if you're like somebody that doesn't like to be a little bit more understated and it's a cultural thing, this place can be really hard for you, but you could be great someplace else. So like mm-hmm. that alignment with purpose and values, if I were an athletic director in a different place, that may be totally different, Right. right? And then the third piece is, that's equally as important is just flat out character. Like, are you a good person? Are, are you gonna treat people well? Are you gonna do things the right way? Are you gonna stand up for others when you need to stand up? Like what kind of character do you have? And to me, the character and the value alignment work is the hardest part to, to evaluate. And yet it tends to be the most important part When you look back and you've seen this, like look at how many times we look at this where a really successful coach is really great one place and then he or she goes someplace else and he or she is not anymore. Well, she didn't become or he didn't become a bad coach. They just didn't get aligned in these other areas. Mm -hmm. So that's the space that I'm constantly trying to understand and I've made mistakes on and I've hit it home runs on. And like, that's the space that I think is most important though. It's, It's really who this... Who this person is and how they show up in an organization and a culture that can match kind of what the greater place really stands for.
0: Right. And and, you know, you you talked about how difficult it is, especially the world I live in, in college football, because the donors and the media and the team and recruiting. Yeah. When you're looking for a coach, you need to have your coach already because these forces, they don't, they don't want you to take your time. They don't want you to be diligent. They want a coach. They want a coach right now because the coach has to sign this recruiting class. And so I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And I always talk about the fact that, you know, because of this pressure is, is why we, is why we see the hires that we do. We, 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 Recycle a coach because, hey, hey, I, I know he's going to be able to do it because he's done it before. And and that thing that you talked about, misalignment, because yeah. he did it at this place doesn't necessarily mean that he can do it at your place. That's and right. So I think, again, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, oh, to- so yeah.
1: much. Yeah. And, and I think that goes to, like, are you making decisions that's winning from the inside out versus the outside in? Are you starting to make fear-based decisions, right. for self-preservation, or yeah. are you making you know the most selfless decision for the organization that could sacrifice you at some point? I do think the more experience you get in this, like I know I've one of the the biggest mistakes I've ever made is when I made decisions too fast,
0: right. and
1: I tend to be I'm a lot I'm becoming a slower decision maker, a little bit more. Just a different, I have different strategies for it now than even when I first started. But I do think when you are, and I, you know, I felt a tremendous amount of pressure with our football hire. I also surrounded myself with enough handful of trusted people that wouldn't let me get, when I started to feel that anxiousness. Yes. I had a checkpoint, right? And I think we need to know that too. Like you've got to put other people around you to hold you accountable sometimes because that pressure is so significant.
0: All right. Again, I it 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 is is a big discussion, you know. And when when football jobs come open, because again, people have already decided who should have this job. They've already they've already laid it out, and so I think it's a tremendous amount of pressure. My next question: Speaking of pressure, COVID, so really twenty twenty. Now we're twenty twenty two, two years later, and we're still in many ways, dealing with the adversity of COVID. But what did that time, the time of COVID and the time of the social justice initiatives, the things that we dealt with in our society as a whole, what did those things do for you? How did they make you a better leader?
1: Yeah, um, I think they may, I mean, first of all, you have the leadership development in this time and space. I mean, it's It's always hard to accept that you're developing and growing when there's also pain and hurt, right?
0: Right. you know?
1: But I think that that's what we are responsible for when there's hardships is to take those hardships and try to develop from them. So I guess the best thing I could say about this is just massive amounts of skill development um, during this time because everything that has happened um, during this time period that you're describing, then let's just add on all the industry changes that were, and the work that you and I do, the, the work that we do is also profoundly changed over the last couple of years. And on top of that, the workforce has totally changed. And, you know, so you have, you have all the other societal issues too. And so, um, I think that like, for me, it's like such a cool learning experience because there isn't a blueprint So I think actually like owning up to like, the learning is like, you're not always gonna have a blueprint for how to do really hard things. And the, again, the responsibility you have to like bring other people along and share that growth and experience with others so that you're not doing it on an island. Um, Vulnerability. You know, being able to to identify, I don't know everything here.
0: Right.
1: I don't have the answers to everything here and being vulnerable enough to not have everything always figured out. um, I will say this, I think this is probably the hardest time in history to be a leader. Um, I think that um, leaders aren't as respected or regarded as they used to be too on top of that. And so I think you're also fighting like a lot of fatigue. A lot of people are fighting a lot of fatigue and that just requires even more um, inward work. Like nobody's responsible for you, but you. That's what this has really taught me.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Good, good. Um, So, and, and I think you talked about this in Arizona. You talked about really diversity in hiring. Right. Yep. Um, you being a woman, there are not many there are not many women athletic directors across the country. Right. Uh, what what is that like and, and how important is diversity for you to you, the the life you live?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think we're better the more we diversify our entire um environment that we're in with people from a variety of different backgrounds, obviously not just gender, not just racial mm-hmm. diversity, but age and experiences right. and other, you know, personal beliefs, or I just think it makes us better.
0: Right.
1: Because okay. it's reflective of the people that we serve.
0: Exactly. And
1: that, that's the area that, I mean, I know we still have a long ways to go at Washington and having our staff and leadership staff and our coaches truly reflect the students that they serve. So I want to do it because it's the right thing to do in our environment for our students. I want to do it because I think it makes our organization better, so I prioritize it in that regard and I do think because I do experience every single day a treatment that is different. Like I don't like to talk about it, I don't like to spend a lot of time on it, I never have. But the undertones are always there that I am not as capable in this job because I'm a female and that's in Seattle, Washington in a very progressive city and state. Right. And so because I know that, and I know that not to be true, then I can only imagine others and the kind of experiences and doors that have been shut on them because of maybe, you know, their color of their skin or some other, you know, background that they may have. And so I think I fundamentally have a piece of myself that understands it because I've at a small level of experienced it myself.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when we realize that diversity, that there's strength in diversity. Yeah. Right. Because because I look at something with eyes very different than you look at it. Yeah but you said it early, perspective, right? The more perspective we have on an issue, right? The more perspective we have on what she, what should we provide in the, in the dining hall, you know? Well,
1: right.
0: you know, in this area, we only like this food, this is what we eat, this is what we've always eaten, but you know what, what if we try this, right? And so just perspective, I think, gives us an opportunity to to be much stronger than we would be if we if, if we didn't have it. Uh just got a couple more questions. And 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 one is talk about your staff, right? What what no, not even your staff, I'll ask you most of yeah. the time when I, when I ask leaders, what would they, what would the staff say? Well they better say this. <laughs> oh, I don't
1: even want to know what they say right now. That's a
0: loaded question right now. Yeah sometimes yeah. they put it.
1: Oh, no, that one makes me nervous.
0: <laughs> how would you How would you describe your leadership style? Oh, and, and has it changed over the years?
1: Yeah, I think I'm aspiring. I can't say I'm there. I think it's always evolving, always changing. I think I'm aspiring to be a, like a transformational leader. Like my style is such that I want to connect with you in a way, in a honest, authentic, vulnerable way. Um, to help others reach their fullest, most rawest, truest, strongest potential. And so my, my ideal leadership style would be that somebody says she's a transformational leader. Like she, she cares about people. She cares about doing the right thing. She's willing to go out and do it differently than others. She's going to look different, act different, try something different. She's courageous to do that. I'm not sure if I could say that's what I am completely, but I think that's what I'm aspiring, um, aspiring to be. Um, I'm definitely an ex, uh, transparent um, type of leader. Um, I'm accessible. Um, I care. I'm relational. Um, but. Yeah. I'm always evolving. I mean, this thing's so weird. I mean, I, I still, there's certain times where I'm like, I am not the athletic director. Like I'll be walking around at a game. I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Am I really the AD? They made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just like, wait, this is really happening. And um, I've been doing it for a while now. So I think, you know, you learn too. like, I mean, for me, like, because I never thought of leadership as hierarchy, I'm not really built like that. So I think about it. Leadership as a cross. Mm-hmm. And so, because I'm not hierarchical, when I became in this position, I honestly did not understand or think about how everybody was seeing me so differently. Yeah. And if I had like a different facial expression in the hallway, somebody's feelings were hurt, and I was like, "What?" Because I'm not seeing myself that way.
0: Right, right. I totally understand it. Um, wow, you gave me a lot, right? As, as
1: you... <laughs> I threw but, a few things out at you.
0: Well, well, you know. We can, we can go to the dictionary and, and read the dictionary um, definition of leadership, you know, the art of influencing the men and women to get the mission accomplished, their willing acceptance to get the mission accomplished. But you are a transformational leader. Guess what? I hadn't known you long, but I've talked to a lot of leaders and I've studied leadership. And when, when you care, when you lock into changing lives right as you lead in in different realms so many of the things that you just said about the way you lead and I don't I don't have to work with you but just being around you and hearing you talk and and again hearing your passion for what you do if I work with you you change my life <laughs> you know Uh, And, and, and so that's what I believe as a leader, especially in, in today's climate, this is, that's what our responsibility is. I read a lot of leadership books and one of my favorites is the energy bus. Oh,
1: John Gordon's book.
0: Well, he got a lot of them that I like.
1: Yeah.
0: It really, it really changed my life because, because it gave, it showed me that that your leadership is real. And it showed me that, well, what I, what I did is I followed that book and I wrote down the missions in all these different areas of my life. These are my missions, right? And so as a coach, yes, it is my job to teach you to tackle. And it is my job to teach you how to operate in cover three. Yes, that's my job to teach you the fundamentals of football. But I am, my mission as your coach is to change the world through I love you. That.
1: I love that, yeah. you're
0: going to leave me and you're going to change the world, I always tell my players that, you know what, check this out. So my what I'm giving you, one day you're going to be on an elevator, right? The, the uh, opportunity that, that I have when we have our exercise, our different sessions, which, which allow my players to speak to one another, none football stuff right? You're going to be on the elevator once, and you're going to use that stuff, right? You're going to communicate with someone on that elevator. You're going to be courageous enough to speak to someone that you don't know, and you're going to give them a warm smile, and you're going to get off that elevator, and that person is going to stay on that elevator, and that person is not going to commit suicide like they were planning to, right? But because you gave them something, to, to want to live on and then that person is going to have a kid and then that kid is going to have a kid and that kid is going to possibly find the cure for cancer you know and so okay. when uh, yeah. you think about your life in that way I do as a coach when you think about your life in that way then then that's the transformation to me you know um and when you get would get student athletes to see that they have that type influence, that type impact on the world, many years beyond their moments on the field. Then, then that—that's, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, all right, my final question, and this question is always cool. The younger Jen Cohen, right? If you could talk to that fiery young lady. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you could tell her the things that you know today, what would your message to her be?
1: This question's always hard, I've been asked it before. I'm really reflective on this right now, so I'll stick in this lane. It would be that you're already enough. Um, I kind of grew up with a chip on my shoulder to prove pretty much everybody wrong. Right. And um, as you know, I don't know if, if you've ever had that vibe or that drive that way, but that's a, that's a big fuel tank now. And um, if you're a really motivated, you know, high energy person, you can charge really far in your life with that chip on your shoulder. Um, but you arrive, you know, at responsibilities like you have and I have. And that mindset is not a winning mindset for um, serving others. It's not a winning mindset for being healthy and having perspective and taking good care of yourself. It's not a winning mindset really for confidence and self-esteem and those types of things. So I honestly didn't really, I wish I would have known that I was spending so much of my energy and time proving something to other people versus developing my confidence and my stability within myself, because I just think I would have had a little bit more fun along the way.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that I what you speak on for me uh, I, I, as a as a player. Now I had opportunity to to be drafted and and play in the NFL, and I remember one day I was in the mall. Right. I was in the mall, and I thought to myself. You know what i can buy whatever i want in this mall you know <laughs> and, and and you know there there was a a certain amount of right exaltation at, at that moment but just two seconds later i had the thought to myself and and you know and because i could buy whatever i wanted out of the mall I'm not any, I'm not any better as a person, right? And, and I didn't grow six inches taller. Uh, I didn't take a better picture. Uh, and and I was not a better person just because I could buy whatever I want, whatever I wanted. Because I it made me and, and again, another second pass, and I was and I was a little bit saddened because I thought about all my life I was pushing. <laughs> that's what you
1: were working towards right
0: pushing for that moment
1: yeah yeah
0: and 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 realize that I I was never complete right you're not complete until you get to that place and then when you get to that place you realize it's it's very hollow that I I did all that work for this and and it's it's not even worth anything and so from that moment, I, I began to, you know, normally, you know, I, I was 26 years old, but, but I decided that, you know what, from now on, I will only work for things that will, that will gratify me the right way. I'll only work for things that, and, and mostly when you, when you give to others, right, when you help others when you give, and there are some people who have a lot of money, but they have never experienced changing someone's life. They have never experienced giving to someone else, right? Yeah, they, they may donate money or whatever, but they don't take the time to look on the faces of the people they help. They don't take the time to learn the stories of the people they help, right? And they don't take the time to, to, just help someone and not expect like cause there's a transaction that happens with some people. When they help you, they yeah. want something in return. Yeah. Like there's a, a transaction.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Well, sometimes what you do is you help someone and you don't even you don't even wait around for your for your transaction, for your part, you know, and that's that's something that a lot of people never get a chance to experience. You
1: know, you're really lucky that you learned that lesson in your 20s. Yeah. You know, like that's that's early in your life and career to to gain that perspective. I just think what a more balanced, healthier way to live when we're we're in outcome businesses. We are in (laughs) outcome winning environments. And you probably love to win as much as I love when I love to win so much. I can't even stand it sometimes. Right. but my my um value of myself and my evaluation of like who I am and my contributions I really honestly didn't even like get this perspective until I got this job because I started to realize exactly what we we're talking about so we win so then we have to keep winning yeah. okay well that felt good for a second now it feels really bad because right. now I'm like so worried about winning again yeah. so so I I hear you on that I think it's really cool that you've you know, you figured well, this out for yourself.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I did, I did, but like you said, I'm still aspiring, right? I'm still aspiring. Uh, there's still a struggle because of the environment we live in. Yeah. This environment. Uh, I had a coach say this to me once. He said, "They love you, they love you, they love you. Then they eat you." <laughs>
1: That's
0: right. <laughs> it's it's so so you have to keep going know you have to keep going if you don't keep going then they eat you the, the machine eats you and there's a certain part of that that drives you right there's a certain part of that 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 makes you go because because you want to satisfy the machine or you want to satisfy them there's a certain level of that I, I talked to my kids my, my own sons um, once as a coach when we got fired. And they were they were upset. They just wanted to lash out on whatever the organization was. And I said, "Listen, man, it's a part of it's a part of the job." You remember when we went to the and my kids, one of my sons, he's only been the bowl games. He's <laughs> never not gone come over.
1: Yeah, he's so, living the life.
0: Yeah. So even even at that moment, we went to a bowl game, but 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 I said to them, I said. Do you remember when we went to the so-and-so bowl? Do you remember we went to the bowl in Hawaii? You remember when we did this? Well, that's the good side, <laughs> that's the good part. This is the bad part, right? You you got to take the good with the bad, right? And, and guess what? We'll be in another bowl game soon, right? But this is this is kind of a part of it, you know. You have shoes and you have socks, right? You have shirt and you have pants. You can't put the shirt on without the pants. Right, and so this is a part of the package. This is uh, what what we have to deal with that uh, does not show up on the Christmas cards. You know, that's <laughs> right. This is the rough part. So, well, Jen, I man, I I can't say how how cool it is uh, to be able to to share with you uh, again. You are a phenomenal leader, uh, and I'm not saying this because this is a leadership podcast but it's just my opinion because I think that leaders they have to care about people Uh, that's first that's first they have to care about the people more than sometimes more than the organization because the organization will survive but the people like you said when you talk about those student athletes the people they have to go out into the world and we in the places we live, we have a responsibility to send them out into the world with the stamp, you know, that that we put on. And uh, and so I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate you for jumping on with us.